<laughs> so, you're all in here together. Well, how convenient. I hope you're all very proud of yourselves. So, my dear, you think you can get to Broadway. Well, let me tell you something. Broadway has no room for people like you. Not the Broadway I know. My Broadway takes people like you and eats them up and spits them out. My Broadway's the Broadway of Mormon and Martin and Fontaine. And if you think you can build yourself up by knocking other people down, good luck! But I don't want to be a secondary character. <laughs> Hey everyone and welcome to another episode of But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen. And my name's Ivan. Hey and folks. Yes, uh, and this is a podcast where we take a, a random Seinfeld episode and talk about the secondary characters and make up a bit of a history about them beyond the show itself. Uh, this week we're covering uh, a classic, I'd say classic, season six episode, The Understudy. Yeah, and one, Stephen, which I haven't seen, just like many other Seinfeld episodes we've done, one which I haven't seen in ages and like watching it again i thoroughly enjoyed it same yeah so good wasn't it that's been the case for the last few episodes for me yeah 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 Uh, i think the last two or three they're episodes i knew bits and pieces of but i didn't remember the full storyline and uh, watching them again including this one has been really awesome so Yeah. yeah Yeah, it's really cool. And uh, if you want to follow us uh, on social media, Steve, what are our details? Uh, yeah, you can say good day on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or Reddit. You can listen anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, and uh, on whatever service you use, make sure you subscribe to us and review us uh, as it really helps out. Um, and finally, you can head to our Patreon and check out our different tiers. Uh, you can get early access to Season 10, which we're writing and nearly at the end of. Yes, we are. We've uh, got Episode 9 ready to go. Uh, just Episode 10, we're just putting the last finishing touches on it and uh, we're going to bring it to you. That's right. Mm. And uh, there's some other goodies there on Patreon. And finally, you can head to our website, bidwbasc.com. Uh, and uh, sorry, I forgot to mention our email, bidwbasc, uh, gmail.com if you want to say hello. Rochelle, Rochelle. Yes. I feel like Bette Midler in Beaches. Because you never know that you're my hero. I love how Michael Give me a break. (laughs) Give me a break. (laughs) Yeah, beaches. Wind beneath my wings. Get some talent and then you can criticise me. Yeah. Bette Miller really owns Georgia, doesn't she? She's a bit of a boss in this episode. Yeah, she is. And we'll talk about her uh, as well as other secondary characters, including Janice, Jerry's episode girlfriend, the one who cries over a spoiled or a spilled hot dog. Uh, Kim, who's Frank Costanza's lover from uh, Korea, as well as the gossiping nail technique. Technicians, Ruby, Sunny, and Lotus. That's right. I have and notes a, on them. And a few more other characters I've got some notes on, some minor characters, uh, as well as a few notes on Peterman and Frank Costanza in this episode. Yes, indeed. Should be a cracking episode, but before we do get into it, as per usual, you have this week's Seinfeld News. That's right. Five uh, pieces to get through, so oh. uh, let's get let's get newsin'. Let's get it. Okay, so to kick off this week's news, a small piece, Jason Alexander and Wayne Knight were both interviewed by Peter Tilden on KABC 790, which is a Los Angeles radio station. Ah, yeah, KABC, LA 95.2. 
Yes. Yeah. Yep. You, All would, the greatest would, hits from the 60s. <laughs> including interviews from Jason Alexander and Wayne Knight. <laughs> I would have believed you if uh, that was your voiceover. Yeah. Uh, now, the interview's pretty cool. They talk a bit about Seinfeld naturally, um, and you can go to YouTube and watch it. Really cool. All right. See. Uh, second bit of news is Larry Davis, one of the, uh, well, one of the main uh, Seinfeld writers. Mm, of course. Him and Jerry. That's right. Yeah. He No, no, Larry Davis, not Dave. Oh, oh, I thought, because yeah, I heard you say Davis and no, I'm like. No, no, no. Did you have a slip of the tongue? Was that no, a Freudian no. slip? No. no, Larry Davis. All right. He's got a new no- uh, show out on Netflix called Larry Davis's Dangerous World of Comedy. All right. What's that? Uh, what's it's that a, all about? It's a four-part doco. And what he does is he goes to war-torn countries and he basically talks to everyday people to see what makes them laugh. Okay. Uh, especially in the face of war and, and famine and, you know, hard life circumstances where they draw their comedy from and how they find humour in their life when the circumstances are pretty rough. Mm-hmm. Um, now, just to give you a tiny bit of history on Larry, he was hired by Larry David to uh, write for Seinfeld's second season. Initially, Larry wanted to get him on to uh, the first season, but NBC wouldn't allow it, uh, basically because of budgetary constraints. And plus, they don't want two Larry Ds in the writing department. Yeah, it would be a bit confusing. <laughs> wouldn't it be hilarious if Larry David or Larry Davis got mail? And then there was like a yeah. misspelling, and then like all the Larry Davis's emails or, or mail went to Larry David yeah. or vice versa. Really personal. That is so good. Yeah, it's yeah. like your show sucks. I'm sure there was some sort of mix-up on set. You know, someone called out, "Hey, Larry D," and both of them looked up or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was oh, inevitable. No. Our catering department manager, his name is Jerry Steinfeld. <laughs> What's yeah. the deal with culture? <laughs> <laughs> What's the deal with culture? Uh, yeah, so he was hired after season one. Once the show was confirmed for season, season two. Uh-huh. Uh, and he went on to write classic episodes uh, like The Fix-Up, which he won an episode for, uh, an, an Emmy for, for that particular episode. Nice one. Uh, but he was sort of, uh, not fired, but asked to leave, really, um, or managed out is probably the most polite way to put it. Yeah. After season six, because some of his show ideas got a bit too edgy. Um, one of them, and I've never heard of this one, is that George makes a racist comment about how he's never seen a black man eat a salad. Um, yeah, and oh, and another and the storyline that we've discussed before, and I think Elaine, uh, Julie Louis Dreyfus objected to this during the table read. Is that was that, during the phone message, wasn't it? Uh, was it the phone message? Maybe the Elaine one? decides yeah. to buy a gun. Oh yeah, I think yeah. that was the phone message. Yeah, 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 yeah I can't yeah, remember. Yeah. I just remember that being a episode trivia piece. Yeah, yeah. for that I think episode, it was for that one. Yeah, yeah. So that was his idea, um, mm-hmm. and after that, and a few other less than savoury ideas he was sort of asked to leave okay now he's um, on Netflix yeah now he's on Netflix but uh, he he wrote for um, uh, a whole bunch of other shows even Borat he was one of the writers for that movie oh no so way so he went on to have a successful career after yeah now he's definitely. good his own series so yeah ah. check it out I, I imagine it's pretty good okay uh, third bit of news is a new online playing game online playing online game online video games uh, yes an online video game for video gamers online video games cause schizophrenia <laughs> uh, it's called anthem um and one of the criticisms for the game it, it's been received quite well from reviewers and fans but one of the major criticisms is that it has really really long load times oh ea games when will you ever learn yeah 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 <laughs> uh it seems the wait times increases the the size of the games increase yeah which makes sense it does uh now a streamer by the name of brozeme brozyme mm-hmm. uh he's uh, on twitch he decided to play the closing credits uh, to Seinfeld over one of the game's loading screens oh, and release a video of it wow. just for a bit of a lull. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. And also to point to the fact that the loading times are so long. Ah, oh, fabulous. And, and I have the, to watch it. Yeah, and on the video after the end credit song ends, uh, which takes about 45 seconds, you can actually hear him saying into his microphone, 
the, you know, the game's still loading and the end credits have already finished. <laughs> like, you know, so that loading screen must be more than a minute. He should put like a Seinfeld episode lined up with the loading screen and yeah. he'd probably be like, oh, I'm 15 minutes in and yeah. it's still going. Yep. <laughs> yeah, the end credits after the whole episode yeah, that's right. are still loading. That's right. Yeah, so you can check that video out on YouTube as well. Uh, now, the fourth and second last piece of Seinfeld news for the week, the first trailer for season seven, which is also the final season of Veep, is now online. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, Julia Louis-Dreyfus has had a pretty rough personal life over the last year or two. Oh, yeah. Uh, but she's come back in full force and she's just finished filming this uh, the seventh season, I believe, at the end of last year yeah. or the start of this and year. And she's getting ready for her seventh Emmy in a row. Probably. If all goes well, well. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to happen. So. Definitely. So. Just give uh, her the award now. Yeah, be- may as well. Before season eight has even come out, just be like, here, Julia. Yeah. You know, you've won in advance. Well, it's season seven. And it's the final season. Oh, season seven. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep, okay. yep. Uh, now, in the preview itself, Selena, who that's the, the president's name. Selena the Meyer. That, yep. Selena Meyer. That's yep. who uh, JLD plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the preview, it's pretty funny. She actually takes on your, you know, normal political establishment and uh, she gets into a bit of a tiff with anti-vaxxers, which I'm a big fan of. Oh, nice. I'm not a fan of anti-vaxxers. I'm a fan of arguing with anti-vaxxers because they're all a bunch yeah. of morons. <laughs> I'm not a fan of outbreaks of measles and typhoid mm. and polio and yep. all that kind of shit. And bunk data and, yeah. you know, dodgy dodgy science experiments. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, not anyway. my scene, man. Bunch of idiots. <laughs> anyway, the final bit of Seinfeld news, and by far the best, uh, and that's why I saved it till last, it's a follow-up to last year's Ask Man. A lot last week's. Last week's. What did I say? Last you said years. last year's. Shit. Gee, you uh, were last year's ass man. But yeah. Now there's a new one in town. <laughs> <laughs> Move over, Stephen. Dave Osman's. Dave Osman's in town. Stephen Osman has left the building. Yes. So if you didn't uh, catch last week's Seinfeld news, go back and listen. Uh, but basically, a middle aged man by the name of David Osman, which is spelled A S S M A N, a Saskatchewanian, I guess. That's yeah. probably what they're called. The area of the province of Canada. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Saskatchewan is a. A province. Is it a province? I think they call them provinces up Yeah, there. instead of states. Hello to our Canadian listeners yeah, as well. Yeah, if that's correct or incorrect, let us know. Yeah. Uh, he was denied a Ask Men personalised licence plate by the council because yeah. it was crude or, you know, deemed offensive and mm-hmm. a lot of other motorists would know that it's his actual last name. Yeah. Uh, so instead of appealing that objection and trying to go through, I guess, proper channels to get it approved, he's just uh, painted a big Ask Man decal. <laughs> um, yes, and I saw that. put it on the back of his ute. Perfect. And it covers the whole back like panel perfect um, and it looks like a license plate so it's kind of a fuck you as well to the SGI <laughs> that's it and because it's a decal and not a license plate he uh, it's a bit of a loophole he's gotten around it he's good yeah no he, he's solid the uh, the department can't get him yeah that's right yeah. I mean maybe the cops can for profanity or something but uh, in, in terms of the SGI they got nothing but that's his name though I mean yeah. even though it is it looks like Arseman. His yep. name's Osman. That's it's his it's pronounced Osman, but yeah. that's that's what the SGI's uh, grounds for refusal was was the fact that most motorists wouldn't know that it's a last name. They would think it's just Arseman, a Seinfeld reference, yeah. or just someone who likes Ars. Exactly. Uh, oh, you might. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. good on him. Good on him. Uh, to to finalise the whole saga, though, and I. Well, to finalise the whole saga for now, I yeah. think it'll go on. I uh, think more of it will, more of it will come, and no doubt I'll bring you uh, the latest. I'm sure news as, yeah. it, as it develops. I'm sure you're going to Google it, and there'll be like more information over for the sure. next few weeks. Yeah, but yeah. To, to wrap it up for now, uh, <laughs> the SGI actually tweeted in response to him getting the the Ars Men decal. Um, All's well that ends well with a little smiley face. So I thought that was a nice <laughs> little, you know, classy. Well, you know, he, yeah. he beat us in a way. And it's kind of like a half-happy ending as well. You yeah. Know, it wasn't quite what he wanted, but he kind of met it halfway, you know. Well, I think he got, it's he better. Kind of got a big arse man decal is better <laughs> than a little discreet license plate. So, I think everyone won. 
Everyone won. And that's all the Seinfeld news for the week. And we won as well. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And the public <laughs> won because this guy's a legend and yeah. we all know about him. Well, yes, indeed. Thanks so much, Stephen. As always, that was Seinfeld news. And uh, I reckon we'll take a really quick break. And uh, I'll just give you, after the break, a little plot synopsis about the episode, The Understudy, which we're reviewing the secondaries for. And uh, after that, a bit of trivia about the ep, as well as a bit of info about the secondary characters. So we'll be back. You're listening to But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. So, Stephen, you think you can get to Broadway? Uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Broadway has no room for people like you. Not the Broadway <laughs> I know, Stephen. Who's it reserved for? People like me. Yes. And three other Broadway people. Merman and Martin and Ivan and Fontaine. That's right. That's right. Yeah, not for me. I'll, I'll, oh, yeah. I'm happy just being a podcaster. Broadway will yeah, save for the for the theatre people. Yeah, I'm not too. one of them. And uh, yeah, I, and before I do get into this week's plot synopsis, just want to say um, thank you for uh, those who voted for us in the Australian Podcast Awards. Uh, recently, we were put up, uh, well, we put ourselves up for the popular vote, and uh, last time we checked, we had about 60 votes uh, before the votes got hidden. So uh, thanks to those who did vote for us. Uh, we'll find out the final result later, uh, but we'll find out the, the critical award nominations in March. So uh, we'll keep you posted. Yeah, as we get the results, we'll, uh, we'll keep you updated on social media and on our podcast indeed and uh, on that note as well i uh, just wanted to make you aware that we do have a twitter poll out um and you can vote for the episode that we're going to be covering for our second year anniversary yes so we'll be recording it in three weeks on march 12th uh, and the four options are the, the opposite the bottle deposit the summer of george uh and the dinner party and uh so far the opposite is in the lead so if you want to have your say as to what episode we record mm-hmm. for our two-year anniversary in mid-March. Make yep. sure you head to Twitter. Uh, the polls are there. It's a pinned tweet right That's at the right. top. And uh, cast your vote. And we've also done a pinned post on Facebook. Ah, so yep. done a picture. And uh, you, depending on the reaction, you select the episode. So on Facebook at the moment, the winner is The Bottle Deposit. Ah, oh, no, sorry, The Summer of George. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. currently winning. So There uh, you go. Cool. Yeah, we'll leave that up pinned. So uh, go ahead and, uh, and do that. Yeah, you've if got a good. few weeks to do that. So head along. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, so listener's choice for our two-year anniversary. Yeah, should be fun. Yeah, excellent. The Understudy, Stephen. This is today's episode. Season 6, episode 24, uh, where we talk about the secondary characters. First aired in the US, May 18, 1995. This one was directed by Andy Ackerman and written by power duo Marjorie Gross and Carol Leifer. Nice. Nice. Jerry's dating Janice Graham, played by Adelaide Miller, who's the understudy of Bette Midler. <laughs> Rise of the Simpsons. Yeah. Oh, no, Bette Midler. Oh, snake. no, Bette Midler. <laughs> I love when she throws that can. Yeah. <laughs> like, and the van spins off the... Yeah. You'll pay for this, Bette Midler. You'll pay for this, Bette Midler. <laughs> yeah, that's so good. That- Time to take out the trash yeah. and she scrunches the can up and she's just so angry yeah, I know. It's, it's so good. good so good um so she's starring in the stage musical adaptation of rochelle Rich- rochelle mentioned in the movie which we did an interview or an interview an episode about <laughs> <laughs> we might interview bet miller one day who knows uh, janice bursts into tears over the littlest things such as dropping her hot dog and um 
you know, all that kind of stuff. And also her crying, being done, done her shoelace being undone, and also crying over the film Beaches, starring Bette Midler, compelling Jerry to have to console her repeatedly. But funnily enough, she doesn't die when she finds out her grandmother died. Oh, she, she doesn't die. <laughs> she, she doesn't get sad, rather, when uh, she finds out her grandmother died. She so. seems pretty indifferent She's about like, it. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, when we talk about her, we'll probably come we'll up with a bit of a theory. Yeah, yeah. I reckon. Uh, George injures, injures Bette Midler during a charity softball game held in Central Park, sending her to hospital, and that enrages basically the whole of the city. They yeah. get angry. Even, even their cabbie who, uh, you know, they jump in the cab and he tells them to basically piss off. Yeah, you know, in terms. after he realises who they are, he tells them to get out. Yes, and Janice gets the lead role. Meanwhile, Elaine thinks her Korean manicurists are making fun of her in Korean behind her back. Well, in front of her face, but in another language. Yeah. George and Jerry suggest that uh, they should bring Frank, or she should bring Frank Costanza into the... Uh, now place because he knows how to speak Korean. That's right. He's a businessman. Yep. So when the manicurists realize Elaine sent Frank to eavesdrop, eavesdrop, they become angry and kick her out for spying. Despondent, she wanders the streets of New York in the rain where she meets for the first time Jay Peterman, played by John O'Hurley, in his first role as the character. I forgot that that was in this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, why is she wandering around in the rain, <laughs> sort of really upset and despondent, like you said? Yeah. And then Peterman comes and I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember now. That makes sense, yes, because she apparently they're the best nail people in New York. Yep. Yeah, the Koreans can't beat him, huh? That's why she was so upset. <laughs> That's right, yes. Um, Frank, who's separated from Estelle during this episode, takes Kim out, uh, who's her um, his uh, previous lover uh, from Korea. She's played by Amy Hill. And they discuss their future in his car when he uses his special move, stuff and short, <laughs> on her. Uh, he's outraged and uh, never wants to see him again. At the premiere of the musical, Elaine brings along the Korean manicurists as an apology for spying, and uh, apparently, she, well, sorry, she hits it off with Peterman, and uh, she ends up getting the job. That's right. Which is great. However, when they learn that the lead role will be played by Janice rather than Bette, they're outraged and storm out, leaving Elaine upset once again. In the credits, Janice takes the stage, and she has a problem with her laces on her boot, and she tearfully asks that she be allowed, or be allowed to start over. Yep. And uh, in the post-credits, Jerry hears Bette Midler's voice in Kramer's apartment and decides not to investigate. <laughs> <laughs> Other secondary characters in the episode include the gossiping now specialists, uh, Ruby and Sunny, played by Jun, uh, Jun Giotto Lu and Vonnie C. Ray, respectively. Uh, Alexandra Bokyun Chun plays Elaine's specialist, Lotus, a uh, now technician rather. And Bob Shaw plays Jerry, George, and Janice's cabbie. Uh, also, actor Lou DiMaggio p- appears as the stagehand at the end of the episode. That's right. And I've got a couple of notes on the softball umpire um, and one of the vendors that Kramer runs to when he's trying to find <laughs> Italian uh, ice. Italian ice. <laughs> it's only peppermint, this, and tutti frutti. <laughs> <laughs> what is he after again? Mango? Peach? Uh, pineapple. 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 That's right. That's right. That's yeah, right. That's right. Yes. Uh, let's go through some episode trivia for the understudy. Yes, let's do that. Have What have you got? Uh, so, to kick off, uh, like I said before, this is actually John O'Hurley as Jay Peterman's very first first appearance uh and he would go on to become one of the i would argue uh for some people the most popular and 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 most respected and most liked secondary character in the show that's right and go back to listen to our jay peterman episode yeah way back way 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 Uh, way not really last season i think was it yeah okay way back yeah whatever um and this episode steven it's a parody of the uh tonya harding incident uh where harding who was a figure skater and her husband uh orchestrated an attack on fellow u.s skating rival nancy kerrigan Mm -hmm. uh jerry being called galuli is a reference to the incident as harding's husband at the time was called jeff galuli 
Huh. Yeah. So, you know, Jerry's like, people keep calling me Galuli. Yeah. Yeah, that's why. Oh, there you go. Uh, and uh, Janice crying about her loose shoelace. It satires the unlaced skate incident involving Harding at the 1994 Winter Olympics. Oh, huh. mm. there you go. And also the original title of this episode was The Injury. Ah, mm. that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Elaine's adventure um, on the well into the nail salon is actually based on a real life experience with Carol Leifer, mm-hmm. who Elaine is based on partially. Yes. Um, Carol once bought a spy to a nail salon, a salon in in real life. <laughs> Perfect. Don't know what for. Couldn't f- couldn't find out. Was it Korean? Uh, don't know. That's all the information I could find. <laughs> I couldn't find out whether it was you know for to 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 find out what they were saying about her or anything like that. Yeah. Um, just that that's what she did. Yeah. Whatever her reasons were. And then that they use that for the episode. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, the scene where Kramer holds Bette Midler after she uh, gets injured and starts to sing The Wind Beneath My Wings was dubbed later on. Oh. Uh, apparently during the filming at the time, Richards couldn't remember how to sing the song's melody correctly. <laughs> so uh, they did it in post. Well, mm, huh. Yeah. There you there go. You go. Other uh, possible celebrities for the episode, Steve, Julie Andrews. Yep. That would have been really, really great, actually. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Cher, Mary Tyler Moore, and Carol Burnett. Yeah. Ah. Nice. All really good picks as far Def- as I'm concerned. Definitely. Uh, and this is the only episode in season six not to feature any stand-up routines. Uh, this was due to the episode running 10 minutes too long. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it was a long episode. This yeah, one. definitely. Yeah. Quite a complex plot. Mm. And I think they just wanted to maximize the bet time as well. Yeah. You know, they're willing to sacrifice this Jerry's, just sacrifice Jerry's stand-up for a bit more bet. Yes. Um, but you can see a stand-up routine in the deleted scenes, probably on the DVDs or on YouTube even. Nice. Um, and in that deleted stand-up scene, Jerry uh, risks on the absurdity of believing everything uh, you, you see in live play. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Do you have any more trivia? Uh, no, that's about it. Okay. Um, I've got a couple of more. So, yep. uh, George and Jerry can both be seen playing baseball with their right hands in the episode, despite them both being left-handed. Oh, uh, yeah, of course. Uh, when uh, when George says that um, uh, Frank can speak Korean. Yep. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I just I didn't notice that until yep. you just said yep. it. Yeah, 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 that makes perfect sense. And in the nail salon, uh, there's a piece of art on the wall. It's uh, calligraphic. Um, and it translates, I assume it's in Korean, uh, to a flower blooms in the snow. Oh, how sweet. Yeah, it kind of sounds vaguely deep. Yeah, very deep for yeah. Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah, 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 yep, yep. Considering how shallow the core four are. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. Anyway, should we talk about some secondaries? Sounds good. How about we start with Bette Midler? Sounds good. Born on December 1st, 1945, Bette Midler is a multi-Grammy award-winning singer, comedian, actress, and author. You know, Stephen, she's received two Oscar nominations for Best Actress, uh, one for The Rose in 1980 and one in 1992 for For the Boys. Huh. She's also been nominated seven times for a Golden Globe. Wow. Fabulous. Very well decorated, Bette. Talented woman. Yes. She has won three of them for the two above movies, as I mentioned before, uh, as well as for 1993's Gypsy. Uh, she's also appeared in the films Beaches, The First Wives Club, and Hocus Pocus. Oh. Childhood fav- favourite of mine. Okay. Yeah, about these uh, witches. She plays one of the witches. It's like the, a Disney film. The Beaches of... The uh, Hocus of Pocus. The Witches of... No. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, not that one. Okay. No, no, they're separate, but it was like a Disney uh, film. I okay. think it had Sarah Jessica Parker and someone else. Don't know it. Yeah, it's okay. Okay. Yeah, I remember that as a kid. Righto. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't really have any notes um, on her character because she just plays she herself. She just plays herself. But what do you think of her in terms of, you know, she's a diva. Even George mentions it while they're playing, you know, she's inside the plate. She's yeah. a big star. She thinks she owns the plate. Yeah. You know, I, like, I do you think have... she, she really showed off her kind of diva vibes, didn't she? Yeah, I kind of have yeah. a love-hate relationship for her in this episode because she's strong and she doesn't take any shit. Yeah. Um, and at some point she's really kind, you know, she seems quite interactive with her fans. Yeah. And, you know, she's she's fun and funny and engaging. 
But then, uh, you know, when she realizes that Kramer is absolutely obsessed with her, she definitely takes advantage of him. Yeah. And just takes the piss a bit. So he sure does. But, he definitely but, exploits her. Yeah, definitely. I exploits him. Yeah. Really funny. I remember the episode we did on John Voight. I forgot which one it was at the moment. Yep. I asked, I said to you, is John Voight probably the biggest star at the time of Seinfeld airing to be on the show? Bette Midler. And no, you said Bette Midler. Him. You said Bette Midler was the biggest star. I would at argue. At the time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, John Voight is a is a is a seminal actor. Yeah, he's a you know he'll be one of the all time. Well, he is one of the all time greats, and he'll always be remembered that way. But Bette Midler is just on a level of her own. Oh, she you know, is, she's yeah. a singer. She's an actress. She's she's just a star mm-hmm. that crosses so many boundaries. And John she has Voight so much is just an actor. Too. Yeah, that's right. You know, they're yeah. they're both they're both good in their own way. But Bette Midler is just more universally loved I guess yeah yeah, I think so yep. yeah but it was just very interesting like I just thought of it and I'm like I remember you said Bit Midler was you've got a really star. good memory I know it's too good maybe because yeah. I, I edit these episodes true yeah <laughs> I listen back to them yeah I don't <laughs> you don't I just I just say what I think and then they're you know they're up to you to listen to <laughs> that, that was like when we recorded you know the episode the hot tub you know we did it over Skype last week and yep. uh, you know literally as soon as we finished recording you hung up yep. and I was like oh oh no that was an <laughs> no, accident that was an accident I know <laughs> I called back you did I was like oh finally hang up <laughs> Yeah, you're like, I'm done with this guy. See ya. Stuffing. You're like, okay, bye, Stu. Yeah, that was it. Beep, as literally beep, as soon as I finished beep. recording, boom. I don't know why, rung back. I don't know why they'd be an engaged sound, but just <laughs> yeah, to, just to dramatise the point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. an engaged sound. No, no, you were fine. You called back. You're right. Awesome. Do you have anything yeah, else yeah. about Bette Midler? Uh, well, I guess I'd like to talk to her a bit more as a, uh, as a character because she kind of played a semi-fictionalised version of herself. Yeah, that's true. So I think with her, you know... Her being a big star and everything, I think she was very manipulative towards Kramer. Yeah, you know, Kramer being such a huge super fan, seeing Beaches four times, mm-hmm. you know, and loving the song "Wind Beneath My Wings." I think she takes advantage of people, or for some reason, she just wanted to take advantage of Kramer, who was seen as vulnerable at first. You know, Kramer said, "How about I get you an Italian ice?" And he mentions three flavors, and then Bet gives him a flavor which doesn't exist, especially in Central Park. So and he, he finds to, it. Yeah, he had to wander halfway through New York City to to go get it. And yeah. uh, I think at that point, Bet was kind of you know she was cussed after the the hit from George and stuff. And uh, Kramer turns up, and Bet's probably you know half concussed. She's thinking, "Oh, this guy went to all that trouble getting me a pineapple Italian ice. Maybe I should give him a chance." Yeah, I think mm-hmm. she soon realizes. Initially, she's a bit freaked out by him, mm-hmm. um, and a bit shocked because he's so intense and obsessive. Mm. But I think once she realizes that, even though he's quite uh, in her face and and relentless, yeah, that is ultimately harmless. Yeah, that's uh, right. so yeah, she decides then. I think to 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 use him really yeah. but then eventually they become through all the adversity they become close friends yeah and uh, in the post credits <laughs> Midler's in Kramer's apartment <laughs> yeah it's a strange thing I wonder if there was any love there maybe a bit mm, of a love affair probably. you don't think the Kavorka would have had an effect on Bette Midler mm, probably not no no <laughs> he, she's probably too famous for true yeah, yeah. yeah. She, she's probably like Kramer's one of those people where you know they're friends in private but in public maybe yeah she would shun him yeah basically you notice how you know when it was Kramer and Bette it was always like in a private area Mm. Like, I don't think Bet would want to be associated with someone like true. Kramer, you know, on the outside. Yeah, that's very true. I think so, too. Yeah, think about that. Mm, yeah, so I think she was pretty resilient, pretty tough, and but I think her she had too much, a lot of a diva status. Obviously, she was a, or is a diva, or was a diva, you know, at the time yep. as well. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's what I think. Do you have any other notes? No, not really. No. Um, I didn't really bother putting much about down, down about her, because even though she was semi-fictionalized and not her true self in the episode, she's still... She's still Bette Midler. Do you think she had too much screen time? No. Do you think they could have cut it down? Or do you think think she was kind of being used to forward uh, or further uh, Kramer's subplot? Uh, no, I think she was used appropriately. Uh-huh. I don't think it was too much. Any more, it would have been too much for yeah, me. Yeah, sure. 
but uh, it didn't feel like too much. I didn't think, oh, come on, like stop, stop putting bet in scenes just because she's bet. It felt, yeah, it, she was used the appropriate amount. <laughs> bet Midler's a Korean nail technician. Yeah, <laughs> she's speaking Korean. Yeah, <laughs> what, what yeah, is that this? would have been weird if yeah. uh, you know if they were like, oh, Bet Midler, she speaks Korean. Use her. Yeah, use her. And then Elaine walks in with Bet. <laughs> That's right. Instead of Frank, that would have been too much. Yeah, it's like two bets. Yeah, <laughs> too many bets. That's it. <laughs> That's it. Janice. Yeah. Uh, or Janice. How do you, how did you pronounce it? Janice? It's, it's Janice. Janice. Yeah, because they do say Janice in the episode. Indeed. Played by Adelaide Miller. She's known for appearing in the films Point Doom and Sleep With Me. That's right. Mm, sounds uh, erotic. Now, like you mentioned in the episode synopsis, she cries a lot. I kind of liked her. Uh, no. Oh, you thought she, she was annoying? I thought yeah. she was funny. I thought her crying was funny. It no. Was no, you were a fan. You got over it really quick. Look, I. I yeah. it, it's funny. I'm I'm for people expressing their emotions uh, because I think it's really important and it's really healthy. Yeah. But there comes a point where expressing your emotions becomes being a sook. Yeah. And just not sucking it up and dealing with it. But to me, it felt like. It was part of the joke. Yeah. Like her crying over like the littlest things. I thought that added to her character and it added to the jokes. Yeah, no, I realise that that is her little idiosyncrasy and mm. that's the thing that Jerry hates. Yeah. Like, I get I get that as part of her character, but, uh, you know, because we assess characters as sort of real people, quote unquote, not just who they are in the episode. Yeah. Just that quality in a person, someone who just sucks and whinges <laughs> over the smallest things that are inconsequential and insignificant. Yeah. yeah. I just have no time for them. Yeah. You know, there's a difference between being expressive and emotional and telling people how you feel (laughs) and uh, trying to communicate with people and just being a total wuss and a total sook. No time for you. The thing that I'm curious about, which I mentioned before the break, Steve, Mm -hmm. why would she cry over the little things but not her grandmother? Do you think she hated her grandmother or do you think she's got her priorities wrong in terms of how emotional she should be on stuff? Look, I... uh Theorize that maybe she had parents who were really who were really overprotective. Okay, and taught her to uh, not even overprotective, but like Molly coddled her. Mo- a bit too Molly much. coddled her. Yeah, yeah, and yep, didn't yep. teach her to build some self esteem and some resilience. Yeah, over life's little challenges. Because every day you wake up, even if you your life's generally in order, you're going to face small challenges. You know, at at the best of times. So. The fact that she cries over things that are just completely insignificant and not worth crying over, to me, that goes back to maybe her parents yeah. treating her like, like a baby, baby. Yeah. and then she acts like a baby in adulthood. She does, yeah. Um, the the thing with her grandmother, though, I couldn't really link the two other than maybe her grandmother, you know, maybe she enjoyed the fact that her parents let her indulge her sookiness. Maybe her grandmother was opposite. Maybe her grandmother was like a real hard ass. Oh, yeah, right. That's what I was thinking too. Like maybe the grandmother was tough. Yeah. And she said, you know, know, you got to be tough. You got to. But not in a healthy way. Like like an almost abusive way. Yeah. 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 yeah, Like a real, a real authoritarian way. Yeah, for sure. You know, because I mean, the, you know, the way out of uh, adults being too wussy is not to, you know, come down too hard on them. Yeah. You've got to, you can't abuse them out of behavior that's childish mm, yeah, yeah. so maybe she just resents her grandmother for 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 that yeah that's what i thought and one telling thing as well is when she gets given the telegram she just reads it and says my grandmother died mm. she tears it up or she rolls into a ball and throws it in the bin yeah like straight away yeah she's like, hey, at whatever. first i thought maybe she's got some weird uh you know weird mind if you like or weird situation where she cries and expresses her her sadness and and disbelief over the smallest things mm. but anything big and and overbearing something that you really should feel emotional and 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 sort of fucked up by yeah 
she is numb to it, but I think it's just her grandmother. I think, no, I think it's, it's just her grandmother. I think, I think so if it too, was like yeah. a friend or, you know, someone else close to her, she'd ball she'd, her eyes she'd react appropriately. Of course. But I think it's just specific to her grandma. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I'd say so too. But I think it's hilarious her, you know, crying over the littlest things. That made me laugh. Yeah. I think it was quite funny. And I think it was very well performed by Adelaide. I think she played the role really well. I was Like her crying was just, like her, I can just picture her face. It just goes red and, you know, she kind of goes... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, no, so I, good. no, I agree with you in that she, she performed it well. Yeah, just, she did. I've just met too many people like that who are just <laughs> crying literally over spilt milk. Who are just so, <laughs> spilt you know, soy milk. Yeah, who who spend more time whinging about a problem than actually trying to fix the problem. Oh, insurance premiums are too high, dear. Not even that. I'm talking about like small little things within their control. Yeah. Like you know, and little things that don't even matter. Like just deal with it. <laughs> just so get it over it, it, mate. It, well, carry on. Yeah, over some things, I just want to say that to a lot of people. Oh, fair it's just enough. like suck it up, like. <laughs> When, you, when you're on your deathbed looking back through life, you're not going to remember this, so who gives a shit? Yeah. So you didn't like her overall, but I liked her. I, I liked I liked some parts of her, but yeah. the, 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 the crying too much just wrote off the other parts of her, as far as I'm concerned, so not a fan. One more thing I wanted to ask you. Mm. You know how Kramer gives her the dressing down, saying, mm. you know, you can't make Broadway, because he thinks that they all conspired to injure Bet. You know, you can't make Broadway by knocking people down. Yeah, that's not the Broadway I know. Yeah. Why do you think she wanted to become an actress? Do you think maybe her... Like, what's your theory behind that? My theory is that maybe her parents thought that she could be whatever she wanted to be. You know, the usual. The thing that parents of, you know, millennials say, you can be whatever you want to be. Yeah. And then she took it to heart and says, I want to be an actress. See, I I disagree. I think that she's thrown herself into theatre because theatre is known to be quite a harsh, critical world highly competitive that's right and you've got to take shit you've got to take like critical reviews and what people say feedback from the directors and stuff exactly and sometimes it can be pretty brutal like any any creative industry where you're on stage in front of people um, you know and they expect really really good things if you don't measure up rather than like a soft you know well maybe you're not the best person they'll just say you're not good enough or if you bring out a substandard podcast yeah people say one star reviews well people (laughs) people have to listen to us to criticize us oh that's true they have to we're in the clear no news we're not we're not on broadway mate (laughs) no news is good news yeah exactly (laughs) um but uh i i I think she's thrown herself into theater to challenge herself maybe to build up some self-esteem okay you know what i mean like rather than do it in a healthy way by seeing a therapist and trying to overcome small challenges Maybe she, maybe someone told her, hey, you're a wuss, stop crying over everything. And she's gone extreme and go, well, I'm going to throw myself into a world that's really harsh and can be really, really uh, abusive and, and humiliating rather than trying to build up her self-esteem in a, in a small, healthy, progressive way over time. And it's all basically summed up in the credit scene. Yeah. You know, she thinks that she can just stop the play mm-hmm. and start again. It's mm-hmm. like, no, the sh- as you know, the show must go on. If you make a mistake, on. just improvise something you know yeah exactly she obviously doesn't know enough about that yeah i, I think and she that, i don't think she ever made it to broadway no <laughs> no definitely not not after her that, um unless a rochelle rochelle performance unless unless the audience and the directors and the producers thought that her crying on the spot was a was a was was acting and they were like this is brilliant you can cry on demand <laughs> you've got the role <laughs> now she's in a lot of dramas that's right <laughs> off broadway dramas <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah so off not, off off broadway <laughs> i i really respected adelaide's acting in the role yeah, I me too she, I, think, I think she was wonderful i think she played that sort of person really well but yeah. her character just reminded me of too many people for me to like her and you know it's really ironic the actual mm. actress adelaide miller i looked at her imdb page and she hasn't had an acting credit i think since 1996 wow yeah huh oh no was it her it might have been another actress i think it was another actress but uh, it says, like, she's known for appearing in blah, 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 right? Yep. One of them was known for appearing in Seinfeld. Oh, right. 
So, you know. Yeah. No, actually, no, she was. Her last acting credit was 1996. Oh, there you go. Yeah, so, huh. uh, you know... Just like in real life, she didn't stop getting roles. Yeah. <laughs> true, true. Uh, I think we should talk about Lotus, the owner of the nail salon. Yes. She was played by Korean-American actress Alexandra Bok Yun-chun. Uh, she's credited in the episode as Bok Yun-chun. Uh, she's appeared in the films Saw and Ali. And you know, Stephen, in 1999, I found this very interesting, she co-founded a multicultural theatre company in LA called Lodestone Theatre Ensemble, along with three other theatre professionals. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Good for her. Always a fan of stuff like that. Yeah, me too. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah. Now, like I said, uh, Lotus, she's the owner of the salon. And also Elaine's nail technician. That's right. Mm -hmm. Um, Actually, no, no, she's not Elaine's nail technician. No, doesn't... Isn't it where, like, she walks in and then they say in Korean, oh, you've got princess today? And then Lotus is like, oh, lucky me. Is that her? I thought that was her. Uh, Lotus will be here shortly. I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah, shit. Lotus was Elaine's. Yeah, notes. no, that's okay. No, no, because because Lotus walks in and, and they say in Korean, "Oh, you've got princess today," and then oh. he says in she says in Korean something along the lines of, "Oh, lucky me." Right. Yeah, and then Elaine's smiling and she's like, "Oh, what are you talking about?" I think. And, I've then, and then they're like, notes. "Oh, Sunny, Sunny said a knock knock joke." Oh, right. so who, <laughs> hang on. So who's the owner? Uh, so the, Who am I, I think, the, about? I think the owner could be Ruby. Maybe Ruby? Ruby's like the main. The main one in the three, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, anyway. Yep. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, we'll talk about Lotus, and we'll just disregard what I just said. That's fine. But anyway, yeah, Lotus. Uh, so uh, she's just one of the nail technicians. Uh, yeah, works there. Uh, I don't know what can I say? Yeah, there's not really a lot to go on. And uh, she doesn't like Elaine clearly, no. and she's probably dealt with Elaine before. And Elaine, you know, with people, she can be pretty abrasive yep. at times, at mm. the best of times. So I think she's probably had a few run-ins with uh, with um, Elaine. I could al- I could imagine Elaine yelling if uh, if her if her nails or or um if her feet or hands aren't up to the standard that she That's wants. Right. Ow, you're hurting me. Yeah, you're rubbing like my hands too hard. You know, yep. Yep. I reckon it's been like built up, built up, built mm. up. You know, and then. Yep. At first they liked her, but over time they've come to dislike her. That's right. So uh, yeah. yeah. Well, why don't we talk about Ruby then, the owner of the nail salon? So she's got a few more lines and she's fleshed out a bit more. She is, yes. Played by June Kyoto Lu, uh, known for her work in the films Big Trouble in Little China, Blood Work, and Lady in the Water. Yep. Mm. I I know. I just wanted to note that she when she's when they're giving shit to Frank, um, she says to the other girls. Uh, he probably doesn't have a lot of money. Look at his sweater. Yeah, look at his sweater. And she's with a man twice as twice her age. That's right. Yeah. So I think because look at she's his the tail. Only, I think he might have a tail. Yeah. <laughs> I heard every word you said. They made a derogatory remark about me. Yeah. My tail. <laughs> <laughs> I think because she's the owner of the salon, uh, she's quite wealthy because it's a it's a very reputable and and one of the best salons uh, apparently in New York. It sure is. So I think she makes quite a bit of money, and I think she's quite comfortable. So uh, the fact that she thinks that. Um, uh, Frank is poor mm. based on what he's wearing. Yeah, I think is a reflection of maybe her personal wealth. You know, she looks yeah. down a bit. Yeah, because he, because mm. maybe he's not as wealthy as her. Yeah, she's very superficial. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I found all of them funny. Yeah, you know, yeah. I the, thought that were great. Ladies, that worked really well. You know, Bette um, Midler. Yeah, I thought you said it was Bette Midler. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't want to. I don't want to impersonate the accent, you no. know, for fear of cultural appropriation or well, you know. just just being nice. <laughs> yeah, just being nice. Yeah, Bet, I'll just say Bet Midler. Bet Midler. Bet Midler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the other Korean woman is Sunny. She's played by Vonnie C. Ree, and this is literally her only acting credit. Wow, on IMDb, huh. she has not been in anything else. She must have been a mate of one of the other. Well, she's probably or like, yeah, maybe. It's like, oh, we need a third Korean woman. Oh, I've got my friend. Yeah, that'll do. Yeah, it's, it's not like she had many speaking lines. No, 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 no. Yeah, 
yeah, the only other note that I have about all three collectively is that, uh, uh, um, yeah, they all dislike Elaine and they all get tickets to see Bette Midler. And they think it's Bette Midler, but it's actually Janice. And That's right. They get really angry and they, uh, yeah, they uh, get angry at Elaine once again and Elaine's once again disowned by them. That's right. Ostracised, if you will. Yeah, and I mean, a testament to the popularity, that universal popularity that we said that Bette Midler has, mm-hmm. that, you know, even to non-Americans, so Korean women... And, uh, you know, the cabbie who's not from America, I couldn't figure out where he's from. Yeah, me either. Um, who we'll talk about in a second. We'll get out of my cab. Yeah, get they all love, you know, she's loved all over the world. You should be in prison. You should be eating prison food. <laughs> yes, that's right. Well, why don't we talk about him? Oh, we shall. Yes. We shall. So he's played uh, by yeah. Bob Shaw? Bob Shaw, yeah, that's right. Have you got his acting credits? Uh, no, I, I do don't. not. I don't. Okay. No. He's acted in some movies and television shows, maybe. Oh, has he? Yes. Cool. Yeah. And he's also been in theatre for 45 years. Probably. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah. I just made that up. Yeah. Know. We, who knows? I don't think anyone's going to check up on that. Uh, unless on. if he calls or lets us know. He's like, hey, guys, that's yeah, me. Maybe. Yeah. He's just, every week he just types into, you know, Apple Podcasts. I wonder if there's a Seinfeld podcast about my one acting role in Seinfeld. <laughs> Do I have a Wikipedia page? Yeah, yeah, Bob yeah. Bob Shaw? He does not. Bob Shaw, artist. Bob Shaw, scientist. Dope. <laughs> <laughs> Everything but actor. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, so he kicks Jerry, George, and Janice out of his cab. He does. Obviously, a bit Midler fan and... Uh, Bet, you know, because Rochelle, Rochelle, the musical was going to be a huge hit on Broadway. Bet was the star, and he's annoyed. He said, "Oh, you're the guys that that robbed out, uh, or oh, Bet." Yeah, you know, that's right. Yeah, so. I the only note I had about him outside of uh, what what happens in the in the episode is I think he's the classic situation of an educated immigrant coming to America and getting only being able to get unskilled work. <laughs> it's like an engineer. Yeah, you know, just you know, I mean, that's yeah. a pretty classic so trope. Sad. sad, but um, you know, I just felt that with him. Me no. too. Yeah, I felt like he was more qualified than he actually was. Yeah. I, I had that same vibe too. I mean, the fact that he likes Bette Midler and he likes theatre, um, and this might be generalising, but generally theatre is considered like a middle-class uh, artistic endeavour. Yeah. You know, more so than, say, rock music, which is maybe a working-class artistic mm-hmm. endeavour. That's right. So the fact that he knows theatre well enough and is enough of a Bette Midler fan to kick three uh, fares out of his cab, I think demonstrates maybe he comes from a slightly more educated I think or... So too privileged background and Bette Midler at the time like you got to remember her her peak was like the 80s yeah so, yeah you know early 90s so that was like her peak for sure so yep yeah so uh, she was very popular yeah very no, well loved yeah no yeah. I really liked Cabby mm-hmm. I don't know what his name is but uh, it's Cabby <laughs> should we talk about Kim sounds good played by actress and writer Amy Hill uh, she's known for appearing in the films 51st Dates The Cat in the Hat and Next Friday she's also known for her voice acting she's appeared in TV shows including King of the Hill The Jackie Chan Adventures Lilo and Stitch the TV series and American Dad mm. Mm. yep so I was thinking because she doesn't really have anything nice to say about Frank when she's describing uh, you, didn't you know, take off your shoes yeah she doesn't really <laughs> I have a foot order problem I mean she says that she loves him but she doesn't really seem to say anything positive about him when she's talking about him with the other girls mm. you know before he, uh, he before had this she hears halting his... voice he'd speak like this exactly <laughs> so I think that she fell in love with him because he represented maybe exoticism you know oh yeah you know, right. after, after yeah. the Korean War uh, you know Korea was quite a repressed kind of country yeah it was and a you know an American man who by comparison may have been a wealthy man a businessman and a he business spoke to the man. Reverend Sung Young Moon that's right mm. I think uh, I think for her he represented even though Frank is probably not a very nice romantic person in, in real life but for her maybe he represented 
you know, some sort of aspirational quality of American culture or something like that. Mm, and it's not the tradition for uh, guys to stop short. Yeah. On, on Korean ladies. Not in Korea. No, not in Korea. I think I think by anyone's standard in this day and age, that would be considered <laughs> yeah. a bit inappropriate. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's honest. like a couple of levels down from he took it out. Yeah. <laughs> basically. <laughs> that, yeah. That's like a precursor to the Me Too movement. Basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what have we become? Uh. What have we become? But I liked her character. She's only in a few scenes, but uh, yeah, she's very well acted by Amy Hill. Yeah, no, I really liked her as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, do you have anything else about her? No, that's it. The only thing I have about any of the other secondaries is uh, one of the vendors. He's credited as Vendor One. Yeah. Um, he's an old <laughs> man. Yeah. He is, again... I only have this, from- this, and Tutti Frutti. Yeah, so he only sells cherry, lemon, and, <laughs> and Tutti Frutti. Frutti. That's no right. pineapple. No pineapple. I really liked him. Yeah, I just liked too. his little... Good. Just like a shuffling old man with a little like <laughs> cart selling selling Italian ice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's good. Yeah, I just imagine he'd be like a, a legend. You know, he's probably seen some stuff and, you know, just he's been doing it his whole life. Yeah. I really like it. He loves the ice. Yeah, and that's all I have on any of the secondaries. Yeah, that's me, me too, mate. So that was the secondary characters from The Understudy, Season 6, Episode 24, the season finale. Yes, that's yes, right. Yes, that's right. We'll have a quick break and uh, we'll come back and we'll find out if any of the secondary characters have made our top 20 of all time, where the episode sits in our greatest episodes of all time. Some Seinfeldisms, do you have any? Uh, yeah, I've got two. Yeah, I've got one. Awesome. And uh, this week's Seinfeld trivia and we'll wrap up the episode. This is But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. My Frankfurter. My Frankfurter fell. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe that I dropped it. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Hot dog. Don't worry. Everything's no. going to be okay. Welcome back to this week's episode of But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. We are at the tail end of the episode and we've been talking about the season six finale, The Understudy. That's right. The episode with Bette Midler. With Bette Midler. That's probably how most people know it. Yeah, the Bette Miller episode. Yeah. Uh, out of the 73 episodes we've done, Stephen, where does the understudy sit in your episode list? It sits at number 38. 38. So right in the middle. Fabulous. But really it, good. Yeah, so kind of similar to the last two or three episodes. Not mind-blowing for me, mm-hmm. uh, but no weak parts. Just yeah. consistently pretty good the whole way through. Yeah, likewise. Uh, for me, number 42, so okay. close to you. Yeah. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah. Nothing about it blew me away. Nothing about it disappointed me. Just solid for the most part. Yeah. Yep. Uh, it's been a while since I've read my top 10 episodes of all time, so I'll read them out again. So at number 10 is The Pony Remark. Number 9 is The Showerhead. Number 8 is The Hamptons. 7 is The Bizarro Jerry. 6 is The Soup Nazi. 5 is The Puffy Shirt. 4, The Fusilli Jerry. 3 is The Outing. Number 2 is The Mango. Number 1, Sitting Supreme, since episode 50 of our pod, The Contest. Nice. Mm, I won't read out my top 10s, but uh, you'll be able to find them in the show notes. Indeed. It's been a while since I've included them, but uh, I will from this week going forward. I think we should do that more often. Yeah, (laughs) for sure, for sure. Do any of the secondaries sit in your top 20 Seinfeld secondaries of all time? No. No, me either. No, no. For me, oh, sorry, I was going to say, for me, special mention to Janice. Uh, She probably would have been 25. Okay. If... There was like twenty-five. Yeah, yes. So just on the uh, just on the outs. On the cusp. Yeah, that's right. Fair enough. My top ten secondaries: are Jackie Charles. Number nine's Joe, the fruit store owner. Eight is Mary Cantardi uh, from the Baby Shower. Seven is Aaron, the close talker. 
Number six is Newman. Number five is Bookman. Four is Susan. Three, the Soup Nazi. Two is Frank Costanza. And one, George Steinbrenner. Sounds good. And again, I won't put my top ten secondary characters, but I will include them in the show notes uh, if you're interested in checking them out. And I've sent you mine as well. Yes. (laughs) Be sure to do that. Indeed. Awesome. Seinfeldisms. Uh, I'll start. Yeah. Yeah, cool. So... I was at my cousin's 21st birthday. Happy birthday, Renee, for uh, last week. So it was a function room, you know, in like a, a hotel in the uh, western suburbs of Melbourne. And, uh, you know, having all uh, a good time. Uh, one of my family friends, his name's Nick. He's a friend of the podcast. If you're listening, Nick, g'day. He came up to me and said, oh, I've got something for you, Ivan. I was in Kmart and I spotted this for you. And I said, oh, what was it? A little arcade machine Frogger. Nice. A mini-sized desktop one. I'm looking like, at it right now and yeah, it's pretty cool. It's still wrapped in the packaging and I was like, awesome. And he's like... I have it in the car because I knew I was going to see you tonight, so I'm going to give it to you. And it's adorning the HE Penny Packer Studios right now. It's, it's right here. It's part of the Shrinefeld. It is. I'm going to. It's at the Shrinefeld. Yes. I'm going to keep it uh, shrink wrapped. Yep. Don't you? It's just a lovely decoration. No, it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you, Nick, for gifting that to Ivan. Thank you. It's, uh, it's excellent. And you've increased our shrine. Ah, uh, you sure have. Yes. I've got two Seinfeldisms. So over the weekend, I went to a wedding. Uh, and uh, before the main sort of food, they were just serving like, uh, you know, uh, canapes and just, you know, uh, what's the word? Not munchies. Uh, um, hors d'oeuvres. Hors d'oeuvres. No, no. There's like an Australian Appetizers. Term for it. No, no. There's like... Nibblies. Nibblies. That's the word I was Nibblies. looking for. That's like an Australian term for like term. hors d'oeuvres or appetizers Were or there canapes many... or whatever you want to call them. <laughs> Were there many vegan options? There was actually. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Very no, there was more than I expected. Very nice. Uh, no, I didn't I didn't go hungry. Uh, and I, as I was doing it, I realized a Seinfeldism was happening. I double dipped a bit of bread into hummus. <gasps> and you got called out for it? No, I looked up and a person was looking at me. Uh-oh. Uh, no one said anything. He didn't say anything. You double dipped the chip, Stephen. But there could have been potentially some uh, anger towards me in in his mind based on his look, but I wasn't sure. He could have also been angry at something else. Mm-hmm. But just for the sake of uh, a Seinfeldism, I'm going to assume that he was annoyed at me for double dipping. Was he like a young, gawky kid? No, like he was teenager? like a middle-aged guy. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> Not like been, the episode. That would have even been better. Yeah. I would have gone to him, tell me off for double dipping. What? Just do it. What are you talking about? Just tell me off. Just trust me. Your germs are going back in the you'll bowl. Be do- you'll be doing me a favor. And it's like, okay, don't double dip. It's, it's like Thanks, putting, man. It's like putting your mouth back in the bowl. Exactly. <laughs> uh, the second Seinfeldism happened today, actually, a few hours before coming over to the studio and recording. Mm. I was listening to a podcast where one of the hosts was going through his life's goals, and uh, one of them was to meet Marissa Tomei. Ah, oh, fabulous. Which I thought was pretty cool. Meet Marissa Tomei. Yep. I don't know Jason Alexander had a new podcast. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Nice. Uh, that's it for another episode. That is. That, thank you so much for listening, and thank you always for your support. This is uh, 89 episodes into this podcast. I didn't think we'd make it this far, to be no, honest. No, we're uh, close to 100. Yeah, I know. We're flying high. Uh, we'll, we'll give you more information about our 100th episode uh, later on in the year, yeah, which is coming up around May. Yeah, I we've think. got some things on the boil, but yeah. uh, we'll confirm some plans a bit later on. Uh, before we do, though, if you want to get in touch by email, you can uh, head or you can email us at biblebarspodcast at gmail.com. And say hello on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Reddit. You can listen to this episode and all of our past episodes anywhere you get your podcasts. And if you want to subscribe to us uh, or review us, that would be amazing. And if you're on, on Patreon, you can listen to this episode one week earlier than everyone else. That's right. And you also get access to our Season 10 uh, a few weeks earlier than yes. the normal feed. It's going to wrap up for you guys very soon. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can check out our website, bidwillmask.com. That's right. My name's Ivan. I'm Stephen. And next week, it is What's the Deal? And it's my choice. I think it's time we've done this. 
Hello. Nice. Uncle Leo. We'll about talk about home. him and the actor Len Lesser. I think it's long overdue. For sure. So it's time that we uh, talked about him. Much love secondary, and yeah. he deserves some love. So it sure should does. be good. Should be awesome. We'll see you next week for another episode of Bidwell Bask. You Catch take ya. care now. <laughs> You made a long journey from Milan to Minsk. Rochelle, Rochelle. You never stopped hoping, now you're in the Pinsk. Rochelle, Rochelle. When the naysayers neighed, you picked up your pace. You said nothing's gonna stop me, so get out of my face. I'm having adventures all over the place. Rochelle, Rochelle.